Welcome back to our study of Philippians. We're looking this time at Philippians 3, 20 and 21, as well as chapter 4, verse 1. So we'll finish up chapter 3 this time, and let me read these verses for us. Paul says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Now, remember, Paul, here recently in this letter, he's been saying that there are people who live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame. And he said their minds are set on earthly things. And now in verse 20, he's contrasting those who are enemies of the cross of Christ with those who are citizens of heaven, the people of, of God's kingdom, the people of the cross, we could, we could say, uh, as opposed to the enemies of the cross. So he's contrasting those whose minds are set on earthly things with those of us who are citizens of heaven, those of us who belong to Christ. And Paul teaches us that our minds are not to be set on earthly things, but they are to be set on heavenly things. And he talks about this in Colossians 3, verses 1 to 5, where he says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory." Now, as we talked about last time, this does not mean that we should not think about any practical, physical concerns about our life in this world. It's not saying that we should, you know, always be lost in contemplation about heaven and give no thought to the practical affairs of life in this world. That's not at all what he's saying. But what he is saying is that our life in this world should be shaped by the life of heaven rather than by the rebellion and death of the world. So the world as a whole, the world system, so to speak, as uh, some have called it, is, is in rebellion against God. Uh, Satan is called the God of this age or the God of this world. And the people of this world who don't belong to Christ, they're in rebellion against God, whether they think about that or, or attempt to do that consciously or not simply by going their own way rather than God's way. They're living in rebellion against God and their lives are uh, shaped and governed uh, by their um, sinful desires. Uh, like Paul says that their God is their belly, that their appetites are what drive them, are what uh, control them. And uh, Christians are not exempt from sinful desires. Christians are not exempt from giving in to temptation. But our lives are not governed by those things. We seek to resist those things. And part of the way we resist that is by remembering the, that we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven and by setting our minds on the things above, thinking about Christ, his rule, his reign, his grace, his mercy, his faithfulness, all that he has done for us. And as we uh, think about him and um, focus upon him and what he has done for us and who he is, then we become more like him. And as a result, we become um, 
better neighbors, right? That we love our neighbors better. Um, we are more likely to tell people about Jesus the more that we are thinking about Jesus. And, and we believe that's one of the best things we can do um, for others. We, we don't do it as often as we should, myself included. But we know that one of the best ways we can love people is to, to tell them about Christ. And so um, he says, our citizenship, where where we belong, um, is uh, we our citizenship is in in heaven, right? And he says, um, and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So um, here, Paul doesn't say anything about us going to heaven, though the Bible does teach, and and Paul has taught in this letter that uh, when a believer dies. Though our body goes into the ground, our spirit immediately goes into the presence of the Lord. Here, he's he's not talking about that moment. Here, he's talking about the return of Christ. That we are now lo- we are longing for the day when Jesus will come to us, when He will leave heaven again and return to the earth for His people. And the Bible says that um, after the return of Christ that there will be a new heavens and a new earth. And that's where we're going to live. We're going to dwell in this new earth, in the presence of God, in the fullness of joy. And so he says, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're waiting for Jesus to return. That's the clear teaching of the Bible all over the New Testament. Um, In Acts chapter 1, after Jesus ascends into heaven, the angels who are standing there uh, speak of his return, that he's going to return uh, just like he left when he ascended. And so uh, that's what we thats what we as the church, we are waiting for. We are eagerly anticipating the return of Christ, uh, who is our Savior. So we're not waiting for the world to fix itself. its It won't. We're not waiting for the next... Uh, development and technology in the hope that that will solve our problems it won't instead we are waiting for Jesus to return and uh, waiting for him to return doesn't mean that we're doing nothing and doesn't mean that we're just sort of sitting around twiddling our thumbs uh, wondering when Christ is going to return this letter is full of instruction about what we are supposed to be doing while we wait for Christ's return. We are to be living lives worthy of the gospel of Christ. It means our lives are to be shaped by Jesus' life and death and resurrection, and we're to live in line with and not out of sync with the gospel that we have believed. We are to live lives of humility, as he pointed to the humility of Christ in chapter 2. We are to work out our salvation because God is at work in us. So God has already saved us. That work is his work. But now we are to work out what God has already done in us so that our lives more and more and more are in line with the character and likeness of Christ. Um, So we're working out our salvation. We are to watch out for false teachers, he said at the beginning of chapter 3, who seek to uh, get us to trust in our works or in ourselves. Instead, we are to put our trust in Christ alone, Paul says in in Philippians chapter 3, as he has done. We are to be pressing on to know Christ. So it's not just that we believe in Christ at a particular moment and then go on our merry way, but that our lives are now 
aimed at and oriented toward knowing Christ and being like Christ. And of course, as he says here, hoping for the day when we are uh, reunited with Christ. We are united with him spiritually now, but we, we want to be physically in his presence. We want him, we're looking forward to his return. And uh, as we wait, we are imitating godly examples of people like Paul and others who follow Paul's example, people who are godly, Christ-like followers of Jesus. We are to be looking for people like that around us and imitating them and learning from them so that we can become more like Christ in that way as well. So we're waiting for Jesus' return, actively waiting. And what's going to happen when Jesus comes back? Verse 21. We're waiting for uh, the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So what is Jesus going to do when he returns? He's going to transform our bodies. So Paul describes our bodies currently as lowly or uh, more literally as um, bodies of humility or humiliation. So uh, our bodies are, are broken, they are weak, they get sick, they wear out, they grow old and die. Um, so they're, they're lowly bodies. But when Jesus comes back, he's going to transform our bodies to be like his glorious body. Remember, Jesus was raised from the dead and he's been exalted to God's right hand where he is even now seated, ruling and reigning over all of his enemies. And when he returns, that's when the resurrection is going to take place. So he's not coming back um, merely to take our souls to live with him. That happens in between now and the return of Christ. When we die, our soul goes immediately into the presence of God and Paul says that's far better than being here. But even better than that is when Jesus comes back and our, uh, if we've already gone to be with the Lord, then our bodies and our souls are reunited and our bodies are transformed. Or if we happen to still be alive when Jesus comes back, then we don't have to go through that uh, separation that is a part of death, but our bodies will be immediately transformed into the glorious likeness of Christ. So we're going to be transformed, and Paul uh, elaborates on this in 1 Corinthians 15. Our glorified bodies, our transformed bodies are going to be immortal and incorruptible. They're not going to get sick. They're not going to break. They're not going to wear out. They're not going to die. We're going to be as much like Jesus as it is possible for a, a, a human being to be. Uh, we'll no longer even be mortal, right? We will be clothed in immortality, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15. So he's going to transform our bodies to be like his glorious body. And how is he able to do this, right? How how is he able to do that? Paul says he's going to do it by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. In other words, if Jesus is reigning at God's right hand so that all creation and all created powers are under his rule and authority, all demonic powers, all worldly powers, all created things, visible and invisible, if all those things are being ruled over by the Lord Jesus Christ as the king of the universe, then surely he can do a little thing like transform our bodies, like raise us from the dead and give us eternal life. He can and he will. Paul says, so uh, by the same power that enables him to rule over the universe, he is going to transform us 
and make us like him. So the enemies of the cross, Paul has said uh, back in, in verse 19, will be destroyed. But it's clear here the people of the cross will be saved. The enemies of the cross worship their desires, but the people of the cross worship Christ. The enemies of the cross glory in their shame, but the people of the cross are going to be glorified like Jesus. The enemies of the cross set their minds on the things of this world, but the people of the cross set their minds on Jesus and on the day of his return. That's what we're looking forward to. So what do we do right now? This is verse one of chapter four. Paul says, therefore, because of all this, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. In other words, stand firm in the gospel, stand firm in the faith, stand firm in humility, stand firm in faithfulness. Don't let false teachers lead you astray and put your hope anywhere but in Christ. Don't uh, be tempted or don't, don't give in to the temptation to live according to your sinful desires rather than to live in accord with uh, the way that a citizen of heaven should live. Uh, don't be tempted to live contrary to the gospel, but live in accord with the gospel. And that means being humble. That means loving and serving others and counting others more significant than yourselves. Uh, that means uh, following Jesus and following the examples of others who are following Jesus. Stand firm because what is coming for us is so much greater uh, than anything we could have ever imagined or conceived or hoped for. And if we instead become, become enemies of the cross, we will get shame and destruction and grief and sorrow. But if we uh, stay faithful to Jesus, then we will see his face. We will be raised from the dead. We will join him in the new creation and share in his uh, joy forevermore. Amen.